What's the future of entertainment and technology in the connected car? The future of the drive is about experiences. And to deliver a differentiated experience is to recognize that data, information, and customization are the new battleground. Deliver different, superior, memorable experiences, whether it's connection, whether it's music, whether it's news, whether it's podcasts. What matters is time is our scarcest commodity, and the time spent in the car is one of the last bastions of safe space. That's Mike Bechtel, Notre Dame professor and the chief futurist at Deloitte Consulting, where he helps leaders arrive at their preferred tomorrow slightly ahead of schedule. And this is Talking the Drive, where the people who create what's next in the car reimagine what's possible. I'm John McLeod, and joining Mike and me is Tom Statt, innovator and thought leader, former senior leader of IDEO, and currently director of the Design Labs at the Global Design and Architecture Leader Gensler. Tom, you've worked with so many people and problems. What's the one future problem that you'd like to solve? Great question, John. The problem I'd like to solve is that everybody sees things as a problem and not an opportunity. And it, it turns out that some of the greatest advances in technology and experience, services and products, at the end of the day, they do solve problems, but they seize an opportunity based on some unmet need and lots of problems to be solved in this world. But nobody was asking for a new search engine before Google. Nobody wanted to get picked up by strangers in their car before Uber. And uh, nobody really thought it was a good idea to stay in other people's houses before Airbnb. Those weren't problems. Those were unmet needs that an opportunity actually addressed. Great lead into today's conversation. What are the unmet needs and what are the opportunities? The first thing that comes to mind to me is anything and everything involving situational awareness. The idea of hearing hearing about traffic 40 miles away in the connected age makes me giggle, right? Tell me about the traffic 40 meters ahead of me, 400 meters ahead of me, four, four miles ahead of me. I've always gotten the impression that narrow casting, as it were, has a lot more opportunity in front of it than we've explored to date. So, so I, I think if we're moving, then let's take advantage of that location data and, and give me something, something on my way. I would add sort of the paradox of this is in the sort of search for time, location, context-based content that's more hyper-local. The very act of driving is a search for connection outside of your immediate vicinity, right? You're going somewhere to be somewhere else. And the ultimate purpose of driving, other than perhaps the experience itself, is is all about human connection and human interaction in some other place. So the paradox is I want information that's more hyper-local, but I'm also in an endeavor that's about moving to a different place. It's incredible how advanced cars are today versus, say, 20 years ago in terms of driving, driving safety, advanced driver systems, and even moving towards self-driving cars. But at the same time, car companies have been slow to innovate for the driver and passenger experiences. How should we think about that? Especially in the United States, we're kind of in love with 
cars and, and our identities associated with the car. As we move more and more into autonomous vehicles, that connection gets broken to a certain extent. And actually, I think we're getting close to a state where driving the car will be the least important aspect of your in-car experience. I mean, we're, we're getting closer and closer to that with, you know, all of the safety tools and, and you know, er, early on, everything was perceived as a distraction. Even radios probably were seen as a bit of a safety hazard in the early days, right? While I'm trying to, like, hack my own system so that I can watch a movie on my screen. Um <laughs> So I, I really do think that, you know, the future of the in-car experience is going to be very, very different. It, we're going to, you know, diminish the importance of the cognitive load of driving uh, because so many things are, are helping us manage that cognitive load. I couldn't agree more. You had me at cognitive load. I mean, <laughs> if, if you think about it, driving is slowly but surely going from this this thing I have to do to this thing I get to do as commutes give way to occasional intentional acts of communion you start to find that that the space gets more sacred and that there's an opportunity to be more focused perhaps in the car than you can be anywhere else these days i think we've gone from we don't have brain space for that to, to an upcoming era of uh, where, where better than the car for thoughtful uh, content uh, reflection and, and consumption. You think of it as a sacred space. I think about it, putting my Disney theme park hat on as the perfect personal moving theater, the theater of the car. People spend an hour a day in the car. That's 350 million hours every day in your sacred space or my personal moving theater. What more can we do? You're largely in a car to shift your experience in some way, to relocate yourself, to connect with other people, visit friends, family, go see places that you haven't seen before. And now we have an opportunity to multitask in a way that we've never been able to multitask before. I mean, I use time in my car to, you know, have work and friend calls that I would not normally have because I'm, you know, I have a, a sacred space and a sacred amount of time that I can dedicate to those things. Um, the, the fact that I happen to be hurtling down the road at 70 miles an hour in a 3,000 pound vehicle is uh, increasingly not important, right? Uh, I mean, yes, I'm interested in safety and security and and all of that, but I I see it as a time to, you know, in the same way that I'm, I'm exploring and expanding physically, I see in-car experience as a way to, you know, consume content, interact with people that I would not normally consume or not normally interact with. A friend of mine shared this term that continues to haunt me. He, he said, we live in an age of weapons of mass distraction. And, and I thought something interesting about the car is that because of the, the responsibility to keep, for now, 
hands safely at 10 and 2, eyes on the road, etc. We're forced to have less distraction. But the flip side is that we're privileged to have more attention, more mind share to something singular, something thoughtful, something rich. Add to that, good old Duke Ellington. He had this great quote. He said, I rarely need more time. What I need is more deadlines. When I get in the car, the friendly computer tells me I have 37 minutes till my next spot. I can then allocate my attention to something 30 minutes long, right? And, and, you know, ideally that's a call to dear old mom, or it could be a great piece of news, a great piece of podcast, a great piece of music. So I'm with you. Less is more. I think that this notion of like sacred space is so interesting with regard to a car, you know, during the height of the pandemic, when I was stuck in my one floor, two bedroom apartment condo downtown and, you know, trying to get a little bit of space, I, I finally realized, Hey, wait a minute. Um, if I need to like get away for a phone call and really have some privacy that I can't have, you know, because I'm in, you know, we're all in one space. I just went down to the garage and got into the car. I had air conditioning, a radio, Wi-Fi. I had everything I needed, you know, right there in the car. So the, this notion of it as a, as a bit of a sacred space, like disconnected from the world, was as important to me as the notion of my car as an ultimate connector. There have been a number of innovations over the last few years that change what's possible. First, the car is connected, initially through smartphone, and now it has a direct connection. Second, AI and voice technologies have advanced so far that you can now talk with your car. And third, Elon Musk, he put a screen in a Tesla and said, I want the car to be fun. Where do we go from here? The whole existence of a MacBook Pro glued to the dashboard uh, <laughs> in, a, in a Tesla is an interesting phenomenon. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who find initially find it fascinating and eventually find it infinitely frustrating that in fact I have to go through uh, you know some set of menus to do anything right and I think what we're going to see is uh, finally uh, we're going to evolve into the understanding that there are some things that should be on screen and some things that just really live perfectly in an analog fashion. I have a good friend who, for example, put in an order for a, a Model S, which, you know, you can't get, you can't even test drive. And he found a, a company to rent him one for three days. And he rented the Model S. And the Model S has a, what's, what's called a yoke steering wheel. It's a kind of rectangular bread, size of a bread loaf thing, like a, an airplane would have. Could not have hated it more, canceled the order of his car. Like driving a car and steering is so, so perfectly analog. You know, we don't realize that we turn the wheel and then unturn the wheel to come back to neutral. And we often, and we let the wheel slip through our hand. You can't do that with a yoke, right? Now, Elon Musk said it was to make the visible, to make the dashboard so vi visible, right? So it didn't block 
you know, the, the informatics that were happening on the screen. But he lost, you know, he lost a customer on the basis of, you know, yeah, cool technology, looks cool, should be cool, not cool. I love your point, Tom, about <laughs> gluing, a, gluing a laptop to a dashboard and calling it a day. The history of technology is replete with examples of what I like to sometimes call radio on television, right? If, if you thought back to the first television shows, nobody knew what to do with it. And so let's get a camera and record the, the thing we're already doing, the radio show. And until somebody figured out, you know, Westerns and Technicolor, and then, and then it got real. But I think we'll look back at this stage the, the, the introduction of digital technology into the, 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 the automobile as uh, adorable and dorky. It'll be adorkable. Look at them f- attaching a laptop to a dashboard because I think in the future we'll recognize, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. To Tom's point, let's have voice control. Let's have gesture control. Let's have facial expression control right? Scowl towards the center console if you want to hear more provocative news, right? Furrow your brow if you want to demonstrate empathy and get another feel-good story. We don't really know yet, but we probably won't be having laptops glued to the dashboard. To your point, Mike, of the, you know, the sort of notion that you're going to be connected in new ways and and voice commands and, and gesturing is going to be important. I think equally important will be planned serendipitous accidental interactions. I mean, we, we all move through the world. I'm going to cite Elon Musk again, who apparently is spending millions of dollars to prove or disprove that reality is actually coded, a coded event. I think to the degree it might or might not be coded, What turns out to be super important in life are the sort of accidental interactions and serendipitous content that that we just encounter, right? Flipping through the stations on on a television and, wait a minute, go back. Let's look at that for a second. Uh, The same thing happened in cars on the radio when you could, you know, just kind of punch in next, 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 next. So... Somehow or another in this, in this, you know, evolution of technology, you know, we, we have to remember the human, the hu- human need for serendipitous accidents to occur. To your point, Tom, it relies on serendipity. It, it benefits from, hey, this song is on next and you might like it. And, and I think that, I think of th- th- this idea of engineering happy accidents uh, unexpected collisions of unusual suspects. Uh, that's been engineered out of so much of our finely tuned, bespoke data science-driven experiences. And and a, li- a little bit of putting the broad back in broadcasting uh, m- might, might surprisingly be part of the future. Yeah, I think, you know, tick, TikTok is a really interesting example of just, you know, like, random stuff just, you know, being delivered to you one after the other, you know, from cats to kittens to cars to like, it. there doesn't seem to be any sense to it whatsoever. 
I'm not even sure it's all that aware of things I dwell on or look at because it, it seems to be constantly serving up new, ever more ridiculous <laughs> videos of people doing ridiculous things. So social media is today's version of the saloon or the coffee shop or however else human beings scratch the itch of connecting and interacting. So it's going to live in the car in the same way that it lives everywhere, in my pocket, on my desktop. And we're, we're just going to each have our own ability to manage it. But, you know, it is an important component of human interaction and connection. And as much as we think we've evolved, you know, Thomas Friedman in his famous book, Thank You for Being Late, clearly shows that our, that the technology has exceeded the human ability to, you know, understand, ingest, uh, you know, digest. Um, and, and so we're, we're still in need of human interaction and that can happen in, in all sorts of ways, technology enabled or, you know, the old fashioned way of sitting on your front porch and, and saying hello to the neighbors that go by. Uh, but, you know, social cars are going to be increasingly vehicles of social interaction as well. How should the car companies approach this opportunity so they can reclaim the drivers and the passengers? I mean, I, I come back to, you know, something I said early on in this conversation, which is in the future, driving the car is likely to be the least important aspect of your in-car experience. We have the technology right now to to basically design a car that you cannot feel the road. You have no sense of cracks, potholes. You know, we can build a suspension system that completely isolates the car from the from the car from the road. But clearly that hasn't happened because, you know, there's a fear of this like disconnection and and uh you know, every manufacturer is sort of vying for that driver experience, you know, and the feel of the road. Well, turns out they're actually now building the feel of the road back artificially into the drive, you know, the, the drivetrain. Most electric cars have engineered sounds to, you know, prohibit, you know, running over innocent bystanders because they're not making any noise, you know. So I, I think manufacturers are going to have to, at some point, you know, flip over to the in-car experience as opposed to the driving experience as the predominant thing that they're selling. And I think, I think it will very quickly evolve in-car, the in-car experience will very quickly evolve into a context-rich, personalized experience that connects you to the content and other human beings that you want to be connected to in a very meaningful way. I think auto manufacturers that lead with need, that do the unglamorous work of figuring out what drivers, riders, passengers need and want in their transport experience, I suspect a couple, a couple of surprises await, right? And by definition, the surprises will be surprises and I, and I can't, you know, predict them, but I bet there'll be quiet differentiators inside the known experiences, right? 
show me location-based news, show me um, uh, something contextually appropriate to the midpoint of the passenger interests in the vehicle, right? Theoretically, we could figure out with a little user ID uh, what songs or news stories would be optimal for the three of us who are here right now, that Venn diagram intersection. Amazing. But I think there might also be opportunities to expand to expand their remit, their brand, their intent. And so I think this recognition that to, to drive is to quest, to drive is to seek, to drive is to transport, it broadens what it means uh, to, to be in the drive business. And, and presumably greatly expands the palette available to digital content creators who, who can approach it holistically and not just as sound in cabin. One could argue that to elevate this to the point where they need to admit that they're in the human connections business, right? They're connecting humans with humans and humans with locations and new locations, etc. Do you remember back, I think it was in 1990, Volkswagen came out with their Farfignugan campaign. <laughs> yeah. You know, this was, in my opinion, one of the, the real milestones in advertising. Uh, I don't speak German, but as I understand, it was all about like the driver experience, driver enjoyment, right? They, while everybody else was zigging, VW zagged. So the zigging was, you know, horsepower and coefficient of drag and braking and zero to 60. And, and Volkswagen said, nonsense. We declare the most important metric of a car as driver enjoyment and we win. I want to end on a question to each of you individually. If you were in an elevator with the CEO of, well, pick a company and they speak English. So they understand you. You're in an elevator for four or five floors. What would you say to them? If I found myself in the ele- in an elevator with um, anyone from Elon Musk to the head of you know Toyota, Audi, BMW, I would say the future of cars has a focus on pets and seniors. Like you have to deal with the fact that. There's this huge bubble of, of seniors, older people driving that, that are going to continue to drive and continue to want to drive because they're, they, they see that as their freedom. And you're going to have to make cars for seniors uh, and cars for pets because they come along with the seniors, apparently. You know, and I mean, there's this famous story of the Honda Element. Um, I don't know if you you remember this story, but the Honda Element was initially conceived for like, you know, the surfer, the surfer population in Southern California. Um, You know, everything about it was was designed for sand and surf and easy access. Uh, It turned out that the that the largest percentage of people who bought a Honda Element were seniors who never saw a surfboard in their life or maybe did, but <laughs> gave it up. And it was because all of the qualities and and functionality for, for surfers, the ability to clean out 
the car easily. Um, so sand got replaced with Cheerios, grandkids in the back seat, like throwing Cheerios all over the place. Like it was easy to clear the Cheerios, the Cheerios out. I, I tell the manufacturer, the, the, the CEO, like focus on the extreme users because that's going to be your future. Not that that's going to be your market, but that's going to inform the future for you. It's the foundation stone of human-centered design, design thinking, whatever you want to call it, that the extremes inform the future, right? The, the iPod, the, the inspiration of the iPod were a bunch of music pirates and digital thieves who were never going to buy an iPod. They, they had already worked out how not to buy an iPod, but they informed <laughs> and inspired what the iPod became. And I think the same thing will hold true with cars. I would remind them that they can't solve tomorrow's pro- tomorrow's challenges and, and win tomorrow's markets with today's thinking. And I'd say, listen, acceleration, horsepower, th- 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 this is not only today's news, it's yesterday's news. The future of the drive is about experiences. And to deliver a differentiated experience is to recognize that data, information, and customization are the new battleground, right? Recognizing that is surprising. I'm as surprised as anyone, but that that time in the car is one of the last remaining refuges from these weapons of mass distraction. And so use that time wisely, right? Deliver different, superior, memorable experiences whether it's connection, whether it's music, whether it's news, whether it's podcasts, what matters is, is that time is our scarcest commodity and, and the time spent in the car is, is one of the last bastions of safe space. We've been exploring how time is our scarce resource and personalization is the new battleground in the connected car. Our guests on Talking the Drive have been Gensler Design Labs Director Tom Statt and Deloitte Chief Futurist Mike Bechtel. I'm John McLeod, and I welcome your thoughts. Drop me a line at drive, D-R-I-V-E, at rivet360.com. Talking the Drive is produced by Rivet360, a technology and production company that's excited about what's next for people, places, and things.